Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. We talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda Hernandez. And I am Brenda DeShazer. And this is Ellas. Hello, and welcome back to Ellas. We are on our fifth episode, and today we have an amazing guest, Elvira Contreras, and she is a graphic designer. And by day, I heard that you are a nonprofit yes, graphic designer. Yes, nonprofit. I'm in in house. So. In a, no, okay. And then by night, uh, fashion artists and women. You know, I, it's a little bit of everything. It's still graphic design for uh, women's fashion accessories, I guess, handbags, jewelry, that kind of thing. Oh my so. God. So I'm so excited. We're going to delve into your past. <laughs> We're going to delve into who you are, how you identify, your family, your work, and how you got there and everything. So what, what if, or yeah, like why don't we start off with the first question, Yeah. Okay. which is tell us, you know, how did you start into graphic design? What made you interested in starting this, you know, the career in art? You know, it's, it, I've always been in the arts since I was very young. Um, my mom is very adamant about instilling the culture and making sure that, you know, Spanish only in the house kind of thing mm -hmm. and, you know, all about the tradition. So I did art school because they focused on art on like folklorico and mariachi and like a lot of that kind of thing. So I was going to this art school after school since I was four, five years old. And I basically took every single class that they had to offer. And it was sometimes not that fun, but you know, <laughs> I, 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 there is where I found uh, the first digital arts class that I took. And I was introduced to Photoshop and I was introduced to photo editing and animation. Um, and I just fell in love. And before that, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And then I told my mom, I'm going to study art. And she was kind of like, really? <laughs> like, that's going to be the detour you're going to take? Yeah, she's like, doctor, yes. And it's like, art? Yeah, <laughs> she's like, are you planning to starve to death? Like, what? Like, how are you going to make a living out of that? But, you know, I was very, I think I was always very creatively inclined from a very young age. Um, so I think, they knew not to fight me on it too much because mm. it was just my personality. That's just always how I've been. I was a little girl that would, you know, I refused to buy a birthday card. I was gonna make it myself. Mm -hmm. oh, so um, so it, it kind of came. It kind of came very naturally. Um, my dad used to build computers when I was young, so I had my first computer at like six or seven. Not appropriate, but you know, <laughs> the '90s. Nobody knew any better. Um, and so I think that's when I kind of combined everything of being able to do the art on the computer and doing digital, and it just kind of stuck since. Um, it's been a while. Yeah, and you were 12. You were, uh, you yeah, were it was about, I was roughly, it's funny because the class was supposed to be for 13 and up, mm -hmm. and I was like 11 or 12 when I took the class, and the only reason they let me do it was because I had already been at the school for so long, and my personality is very quiet. I was, I, you know, even as a kid, I was always very shy, very quiet, kind of just did my work. So they're like, you know, she's, she's mature for her age. She can handle it. She's not going to be, you know, bouncing off walls and Talk distracting. So they let me do it. And then I just kind of stuck with it until they stopped offering the class, basically. Mm -hmm. So That's amazing. And that so really cool. your parents were like, how was that, you know, transition of, well, you were 12, you decided to do, you, right to know what you were going to do for the 
for your, the rest of your life, basically. But how was that transition of like your parents? Oh, so you're going to study that for college? I think for a long time, they just didn't know what it was. Um, because technically my degree is in art, but mm -hmm. it has the emphasis in graphic design. But most people think art and they think, oh, you're going to be a painter. Yeah. I can't draw to save my life. I can't do it. <laughs> I, I just, I do not have a talent for drawing. So I think for them, it was just like, well, what is, what is graphic design? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that I had to kind of go into a teaching mode and I'm like, well, all the billboards that you see, all the packaging that you see, the magazines, like somebody's doing it on a computer and somebody's designing this and it's still a form of art. It's, it's the form of visual expression and that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, I think when I was at that age, I think my goal was more towards like I wanted to be at a magazine. I wanted to do magazine editing. Um, I wanted to do publication design. Mm. And so I think they kind of understood that. And it's like, okay, well, I guess there is some money in there, but it was still very much a foreign subject. Yeah. But I think out of all my siblings, I was. <laughs> it's funny because personality-wise, I usually am not. But when it came to this decision, I was very firm and very like, I don't care what you tell me, this is what I'm going to do. So... I think they just knew that they weren't going to change my mind and they just had to get on board. So, Well, that's great. That's like, that's great that you, from a young age, like you knew what you wanted to do yeah. and you were firm on like starting that path. And yeah. how was, you know, going into college, like, you know, you trying to apply for schools and finding the, the, the right school for you that had graphic design? Uh, it was a huge challenge because my parents are first generation immigrants. Um, you know, my mom was a stay at home mom and she worked from home. She's a seamstress, but, you know, she worked on her own. So if she gets sick and she has to stop working, that means her income stops coming in. She, she does not get paid if she doesn't work. There's no paid vacation. There's nothing like that. Um, and so my dad is, you know, the head of a household with four kids and, you know, there's always extra people in the house. Like there's a cousin staying with us or your grandfather staying oh with God, us. Oh my God, you so, too? Yeah. Oh, Same. that's, that's oh totally, God. yeah. No. That's like a thing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think yeah. it wasn't until I was in college that it was just the core family, but okay. my entire life, there's always somebody else living in the house. Yeah. So, you know, there's always a lot of people and, you know, the money was enough to get us what we needed, you know, food on the table, a roof on our heads, but art school is like 40, 50 grand a year. Like a year, like yeah. not even like it's for the not, whole No, 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 it's years. a year. Jesus. And then God forbid you like struggle in a class and then you have to stay next semester. Yeah, like, for real. It's just, it was bad. Like even the application process, it's like $200 to apply. Just to apply. That sounds like a like more than Stanford because I feel like Stanford was like a hundred dollars to apply and it it's, was like forty thousand. It's something like what? that. Yeah, it, and it depends. But they're all private schools. There aren't any public art yeah. schools, mm -hmm. so it was really difficult because you know you have that dynamic of you just can't afford it, and then you have you know the well, where are you gonna go? I can't move out because. You know, you're a girl. Yes, and Latina. And you're the youngest. <laughs> oh, yeah, the baby of the yeah, family. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the baby of the family. So they're like, you're not moving out. Like, mm -hmm. you're not going to go to 
the dorms like what are you gonna do there like are you planning to get pregnant it's like no i'm just going <laughs> to selling school. drugs like yeah like it was so bad so i had to pick something local i had to pick something within budget and there was just so many criteria that it was just really difficult and to be honest I went to Cal State LA with the intention of transferring out. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, if you're going to let me move out at 18 to go to college, what are you up for two years? <laughs> and then once I get to my upper division classes, I'm going to transfer out. Yeah. I didn't tell my parents this plan, but that was my intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that once I got there, I just started to realize, like, I started taking a lot of the classes and there was a lot of good professors and I started to realize that a lot of these experiences, it's not so much, and, and this is you know very common for Latinos, I think it's not so much how much you have or what you have, it's what you make of it. Mm-hmm. And so I had really great professors and I would go on the reviews and there's all these people that are like, oh, he just talks so much, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why are you complaining? I love his stories. Like <laughs> he has so much to tell, I have yeah. so much to learn. And so I started to realize like I can make a good experience out of this and I can get a lot if I put in a lot and so I kind of changed my mindset and then I became an RA so I'm like they don't they can't say anything about me paying rent because that's getting paid by itself yeah um and so I just stayed there and I finished um halfway there though I did decide to double major so that was another curveball to my parents because then I was like oh I'm gonna double major in Chicano studies and they're like what on do with that you have two degrees that you're going for that's like what are you gonna do like either everything's useless like what are you doing and i'm like it's just but seeing that was a thing like my parents weren't paying for it a lot of it was financial aid Mm -hmm. um you know my dad was very tried very hard like even when it came to like okay i have my art supplies list and i have to go you know, buy the pads of paper and blah, blah, blah. And my dad, I think he tried really hard to, like, even buy me school supplies. Mm-hmm. But it was like, no, like, you don't have to give me money for that. Like, the government's giving me money for that. So let's just focus on that. Yeah. But I know he tried. But a lot of it, I was like, you have bigger problems. You have, not bigger problems, but you have bigger things to worry about. You have a mortgage to worry about. Mm-hmm. So let me take care of as much as I can. And then if I really need your help, I'll come to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it went. Um, but with Chicano Studies, it was something that I just, I was really passionate about and I just really liked from high school. So I was like, just, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So they're just Because it doesn't even feel like you're studying a subject when it's something that you're passionate about. Kind of like right. if you're like in a work or a work that you love, it's not really working anymore. It's like, it, I, I it's loved going into it. my passion. Yeah. No, and I think, and it's funny because I was originally going to just do a minor. And then one of the counselors there was like, well, you know that a major is just six more classes, right? And then you get another diploma. And I was like, okay, I'll take two more classes and then yeah. I'll give my mom and my dad an extra diploma. Yeah. And that's how it turned out. Like, I just, you know, I stayed another, uh, I guess it would have been like another year or a quarter, something like that. And so I ended up doing the, the double major. But I was out financial aid, and since again, since my parents weren't paying for it, I mm-hmm. think that they felt like they couldn't put their foot down when they wanted to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I'm gonna do what I want. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very firm. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I think now they're like, okay, we get it, but it took a minute to get there. 
you're hitting on so many points that's so crazy to me because I'm like, oh, so like family living with you because like since I was little, I've also had like cousins or like aunts or uncles living with me and I thought that was just like, oh, it's our family thing. We're generous type of thing. But the more like I talk to like or hear from you and then also hear from Brenda's story too where like family just lives with you like added to help them out or yeah. like just because we have a house and we have like the room and we have the funds and everything. And then I think the whole like being baby the family, it's like you don't really have a voice. You kind of just like go with like what the family says and right. you don't really you don't swim upstream kind of thing. So you saying like, no, I'm actually going to do this. Like, I'm going to do graphic design. This is what I love. It's like, wow. Like, at some point, we do have to find our voice. And like, I did, I kind of hit that in my life as well, too, of like trying to find my voice and speak out against like my family. Like, no, this is what I'm going to do. Or right. I'm moving out. Like, it's happening. Yeah. Um, no, And then I had to talk. I had it. I literally sat down with both my parents and I was like, you know what? Like, I know that there's certain decisions in my life that you might not be happy with. Um, and you know, I hated to say it, but a lot of it was the fact that they're first generation. A lot of a lot of it, mm. it's like you not understanding how the system works, not understanding what it takes to survive here. Mm. And you know, me as I'm seeing things happening, and I'm seeing all my friends doing internships and traveling and doing all these things, and you know, puffing up their resume. And you know, I had to have a conversation. I'm like, you need to let me do certain things that you might not agree with, like if I have to move for an internship, I have to move for an internship if that's what's going to help me. Because at the end of the day, and I hope it's in a really, 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 really long time when my parents aren't around, yeah. mm-hmm. I still have to show up to that job. Yeah. So I'm the one that's living with those consequences and with those decisions. So I need to do what I think is Best right. for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if I make a mistake, I'm not going to have anybody else to blame but myself. Yeah. And that's okay. It's crazy because I think like our generation, like the first and second generations um, of the families that are like immigrants or that are first generation, that they're, we're kind of like transitional, like we're trying to like stick with tradition, but also like show our parents like, no, this is how like America is, or this is how like it's going toward. Yeah. And it's not so much that I'm trying to go against my parents, but it's more of like, I'm trying to keep up with everybody else. Like. Mm I, you know, I wish I didn't have to move out, like free rent, free breakfast. Like who wants to leave that? Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, you got to do what you got to do. And if now, if you want to be competitive, if you want to have uh, opportunities, like you, you have to do certain things that, you know, maybe weren't customary or traditional um, where and when they grew up. So you just kind of have to adapt. Mm-hmm. And when you decided to, take on the double major on on Chicana studies, it kind of, I feel like, did that, your upbringing of being a Latina and your family from Nayarit and being surrounded by your culture, did, was that like also one of the major decisions why you decided to take that on? Absolutely. Um, My dad is very much a storyteller. Mm -hmm. And I always said like, as a little girl growing up, my bedtime stories weren't the Three Little Bears. It wasn't Little Red Riding Hood. It wasn't any. I watched Disney movies till I broke the tapes, right? But you know, when it came to like, you know, my dad telling stories, it was the stories of like the Aztec, you know, mythology, or mm-hmm. it's you know, growing like stories about my grandfather in the ranch or the island that he grew up in. It was mm-hmm. a lot of you know, very culturally heavy things. And as a daddy's girl, that just kind of, you know, that just kind of stays with you. And so it was very much a part of me. The problem was that because I was living here, 
there's certain things that don't necessarily apply don't necessarily translate yeah um certain way that things are and i think that i got to a point in school where i felt like i wasn't getting all the information i'm not hearing about the mexican revolution that my dad keeps talking about you know what it was too i remember when i was younger i got free movie tickets and my dad would always tell me the story of the alamo growing up Mm -hmm. and don't ask me about it now because i don't (laughs) but uh, he would always tell me a story about the alamo and you know the mexicans played that was a battle that the mexicans won and it was a huge thing and i remember one time i won some contest or something i somehow ended up with like free movie tickets and there happened to be a movie called the alamo Mm. it was an american movie and i took my dad to see it and my dad came out and he's like well that was interesting (laughs) and i was like why he's like it's a very one-sided story you can tell the americans wrote this and i'm like Mm. wait hold on (laughs) and so i think that's when i started to realize like there are two sides to the history mm-hmm. and I'm only getting, you know, the American the, side. Yeah. And I wanted to hear the other side because there's always, you know, three sides yeah. to every story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just kind of where it started. I'm like, okay, so then tell me your side of the story. Like what happened in your case? And so, you know, my dad gives me his product. I'm like, okay, well then certain things make sense. And, you know, you start to pick up when, events are glorified in a way that you're like well that's not the way i saw it so once i got to high school and it was like one of the few high schools in lusd that had a chicano studies class i was like oh cool yeah yeah so i took my first chicano studies class in high school and that just changed my life and i think Mm -hmm. at that point i was really close to that professor that professor was just amazing um and he really like pushed hard to tell you everything and mm-hmm. I think that that's when I was like okay I'm gonna minor in Chicano studies later I changed yeah. to major yeah. but that's kind of where it came from so from the major or double majoring you graduated how did you come to where you are today in your jobs I did literally almost every job I could take <laughs> um, in terms but I but I, I took every job that I could when it came to design because I was like I'm not gonna do the work in the the food industry and I'm not doing retail nice didn't settle (laughs) no you're like I have standards I've got this I got two degrees (laughs) I'm not doing I'm not gonna get yelled at by a customer it's not gonna happen it still ended up happening but you know (laughs) yeah I mean so I got into fashion for I yeah at first I got into fashion um and then I worked when I first graduated, I had three internships at the same time. Oh my God. So I was doing fashion. I was working for a bridal, like wedding planning company. Mm. Um, and then halfway through, I ended up with another company that it's like, it was a startup that had like paper plates and <gasps> table stuff. Cheeky. You remember Cheeky, yes. right? Yeah. So that's kind of when I started. <laughs> and I liked that they had the one for one kind of uh, model, like for every package you bought they donated a meal through feeding america and so that's kind of i was like okay so i can make money off of me doing graphic design me still keeping you know my social justice like giving back to the community thing like i don't have to scrape to buy lunch Mm. like it doesn't have to be that way 
Um, and so I think that's kind of when I started the transition. And it was just really hard after that. I, I did a lot of like odd jobs with odd companies, still graphic design, but it's just companies that I was like, this is not where I see myself. Mm. Um, a lot of up and, ups and downs, a lot of interviews, so many interviews. At some point I made a list of all the places that I interviewed and I hit over 70. No, you did not. Not all of, like some of them were offers some mm-hmm. of them were like i made it to the second step some of okay. them were like you know i turned the position down but i think and that's i think that's what's important we tend to settle of because yes. of the paycheck <laughs> oh because yeah you really mm-hmm. need that paycheck mm-hmm. and so i think that that's kind of where my parents came came in to where my mom and my dad were like take your time like we're not kicking you out if you need to keep looking for a job where you're going to be happy, keep looking for a job. Mm. You know, don't just settle for some crappy job with crappy boss and crappy pay. You know, like you're fine. Like yeah. you still have a bed, you still have a meal. Mm-hmm. And so I kept going and kept going and kept going. Um, I caught a break with, uh, I don't know if he's still there. He was like, I think director or something of self help graphics. Mm. Um, and so I interviewed with him and then he's like, you know, this position's kind of not really what you need. And so he directed me to Mujeres de Maiz, um, which is like a women's collective and they do a zine and stuff. And so I started doing the graphic design for them. Um, I was designing their scene. I was doing all, all the calendar of events and stuff. And then from there, that opened the door for me to get my job or my internship at the Children's Hospital, Hmm. where I was working um, adolescent medicine. Uh, And then from there, I think once you have Children's Hospital on your resume, people are like, stop telling me about yourself. (laughs) Um, So that really just like finally like, it just gave me the jump. And um, Mm. unfortunately, I went back to fashion for a little bit. And then I, I just got to a point where I was like, I'm not happy anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I need to go back to what I originally wanted to do, which was something more nonprofit, more community-based. Okay. Um, I started looking, and I landed where I'm at now. So I now got in-house graphic designer for Hillsides, which is a nonprofit charity. They do health services uh, for foster kids, mm-hmm. homeless kids, and people. Families that are at risk of getting broken up because of, you know, millions of reasons that, you know, the court decides, you know, Mm. to break up a family. Yeah. And so, you know, we provide a ton of services for the kids, for the families, for the siblings. Um, And I've been there now for like a year and a half. Wow. Congrats. So, yeah, thank you. It's it's been a long I mean I graduated twenty fourteen, so it's been like five years. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like a lot of like ups and downs and it sounds like a lot of oh, jobs yeah. and a, a, a lot of, you know, crying in the middle of the night. Yeah. Of like oh, yeah. why isn't my portfolio working? <laughs> you know, it it was just, you know, it, it I went through a lot for sure. So I think getting to a place where I was finally comfortable and I was finally happy to make. I like going to work. I like my coworkers. I like the work that I do. Um, I like the work that the agency that I work for does. Mm. Um, that was a huge deal for me. Uh, so yeah, it's it's it was not easy by any means, but I had a really good support system. Nice. So. And was that support system? Can you tell us, you know, a little about like what? M- 
motivated you to like not see to not be negative with yourself during all that you know process of interviewing for anyone like who's listening out there who's looking for a job who's like right. not getting offers or getting you know 70 interviews in like three months and it's like they don't see you know the light in the path i i think that what did it for me is that i had to talk to people about it mm-hmm. um at some point in that process there was we did a mini reunion for the design program at house of la and I remember that because I was close to a few people, not to the entire program, just because my personality is, you know, very quiet and whatever. Um, but I remember going to that and all of us kind of went around and like, OK, well, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? What are you doing now? And I think hearing a lot of people be like, you know, I'm working, but I'm still looking or I'm just looking and I'm not working. And I think that just kind of made me not need to be so hard on myself to know that this happens. Like it's it's a struggle and you're not alone in that struggle. And it's okay to talk to people about it and to vent with people about it because, mm-hmm. you know, at that point I wasn't working. And then, you know, I'm talking to people that I had never talked to before. And they're like, yeah, like I understand. Like I'm struggling too. Like, it's not you, it's the market right now. And so I think that once you talk to people, you start to kind of see, like, that might not be the answer every time that it's the market, but sometimes it's like, you'll meet somebody like, okay, well, let me read your resume. Like, let me look it over for you, and maybe there's, you know, I can give you some input that maybe you hadn't thought about. And so I I think that that's where we struggle, that we just want to keep everything internalized, and we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And once we talk about it, it's when... You know, you meet somebody who's like, oh, I used to do graphic design. What do you want to know? I can give you advice. But if we don't start the conversation, we're never going to find out that this person used to work at X company and still has a contact that they can pass to you. So I think that that was a huge deal for me, like getting into the habit of not being ashamed that I'm interning, not being ashamed that it's been two years since I graduated and I still don't have a full-time job. Mm -hmm. It's just getting over that and saying, you know what, it is what it is. I have to keep trying, though. Exactly. Yeah. And now that you're in this place where you're happy in your job, you decided to create with your sister, Emiluna. How was that? How was, like, what what made you start, you know, that fashion? What was the birth of Emiluna? Oh, my God. You know, it's such an interesting story. Uh, I always say, so this, this, Emiluna, my sister's name is Emily. Okay. So, Emmy Luna came from her and she started off as that was just some random screen name that she made, you know, where she was like on a website, kind of like eBay. And um, and she was just selling clothes that she didn't use anymore. Mm. And, you know, we've always had the jewelry from Nayani and, you know, we always wore the blouses. And again, it goes back to like we did folklorico for like 10 years during our childhood. So this has always been something that's very present in our lives. And so at some point, you know, we kind of started noticing, like, people are like, oh, my God, I love your earrings. Oh, my God, I love your necklace. Like, where'd you get it? And a lot of times we were like, <laughs> oh, yeah, basically. <laughs> like, I was like, we went to Mexico. And so I think at some point we're like, do you want to buy it off of me? Mm. And so that's just kind of how it started. My sister is the one that kind of got deeper into it because mm-hmm. she was now a stay-at-home mom. And so her schedule was not that flexible. So she needed something that can just kind of go back and forth. 
and she was doing her thing and I was working in fashion at that time so a lot of times I would just kind of give her advice like Mm -hmm. you know this is how you approach a vendor this is how you do wholesale this is how you you know price things blah 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 because I used to do all of that stuff and then she's like can you build me a website and I'm like I can I guess I mean I knew I couldn't say no to her (laughs) so I built her a website and I was like well can you make my logo it's like okay well this and then I got to the website and I'm like well now I need to photograph your products because I'm not gonna let you put your like crappy iPhone photo yeah. as your product <laughs> shot and so then I started photographing and then next thing you know it's like a year later and I'm doing all her marketing and design <laughs> and I'm just like okay I guess I'm I guess I'm here now um but it, you know it was ultimately like very much her baby that I just kind of I was I always joke no it was just kind of voluntold to like do this <laughs> Um, but I mean, I really enjoy it and I, we really expanded, um, and I've learned a lot, I think personally and, you know, from a career perspective, it's given me a lot of growth. I've learned to build a website because mm-hmm. when she told me, I was like, well, I can kind of do it, but I've never built a store. So I had to con- consult Google and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's been a huge learning process and, you know, we try and keep everything ethical. We try and and be respectful of the culture mm-hmm. that every piece holds because it's so easy that, you know, now with everybody's like, oh, this is cultural appropriation and, you know, it's you're selling out and blah, blah, blah. So we try and make sure that we keep everything as true to its form as we can. You know, we don't haggle with our artisans. They give us a price that they feel is fair and that's the price we're going to give you. We're not going to try and lowball you. We're not going to try and and give you less money because we understand the amount of work that goes into all of this. Mm -hmm. And so we try and be respectful of that. We try and stick to a certain group of artisans that Mm -hmm. we work with because we want to help them grow. We want to help them, you know, give them an influx of of income as well with just steady purchases. Um, So it's been been a whirlwind. Owning your own business is not the easiest thing in the world to do, even though it's, especially now with like Instagram and social media, it's yeah. very easy for people to be like, oh, so-and-so started their own business, so-and-so, but... Sounds easy. It sounds like the dream, too. You can start, it's very yeah. easy to start it, mm-hmm. whether it's going to be there six months later, two years later, four years later, that's where the challenge is. Mm. Um, and I think that even for us, you know, at some point, you just kind of have to sit back and evaluate, like... Are we making money? Mm-hmm. Is there potential for us to keep growing, or are we just like stagnant at this point? Because you also don't want to waste your time. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's been a ton of tears, a mm-hmm. uh, ton of laughs. We've met a lot of people. My <laughs> my dad almost lost his leg. Uh, he's he's okay. So my dad makes That's our like a big jump. What? <laughs> my my dad makes our jewelry our jewelry stands, our jewelry displays, mm-hmm. anything that's constructed wise when we're doing events mm-hmm. and we're doing bending stuff my dad does <laughs> and so he was doing like cutting wood and then he like cut his leg and we're like oh my god like oh you're my god bleeding. and he's like oh it's fine and we're like no it's not no. you need stitches what the heck oh it's fine it's fine yeah but that you know that's just my dad's personality yeah but, um so yeah it and, and saying that's the thing it's such a family affair mm-hmm. like my mom helps us with inventory uh, in terms of connecting us with artisans, connecting us with people. If, like, mm-hmm. there's a trade show or something like that, you know, my dad builds 
a lot of the stuff for us if we need a stand for this size bag my dad's the one that makes it mm-hmm. um my other sister is the one that does some of the modeling sometimes and then she's our uh tiebreaker when we're trying to make a decision about like a design and me and emily are like you know can't figure yeah. it out we call in the third sister like she makes the <laughs> final decision because we can't figure it it and then my brother is kind of just a cheerleader when he can't be because he's the guy he yeah know better. <laughs> he motivates when you're like yeah what am i doing yeah yeah like if we tell him like oh we have an event and we need to sell tickets he's like okay i'll buy some and so he you know he's there everybody's you know very involved uh, my brother-in-law is giving us so much money um that's nice. gotten into it so it's and i think that's kind of what's been keeping us going that it's just it's such a team effort mm-hmm. even though technically on paperwork it's me and emily um we have like not just our core family standing behind us but like my dad's sisters my mm-hmm. mom's sisters like my mom's sister sent us jewelry and sometimes it's like hey we need somebody to ship things for, for us and you know for shipping from guatemala like it's cheaper if we ship it to tj where one of my aunts lives and then we export from there so all of those mm-hmm. things like there's so many people that have played a part in this whole thing that it's it's yeah it's a true family business. oh yeah. yeah totally and it's you know it's funny because then you go back to the artisans and it's even a family business there mm-hmm. it's you know two brothers that make our handbags it's you know a, a father that he his i think his daughter is a student of one of my aunts so like it's all very like him and his wife do a lot of the jewelry so it's very much every part of our like almost every aspect of the business is very much backed by a family yeah mm. so wow that's great because like, a lot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so what advice would you give to somebody that is now hears this and is like oh graphic design maybe i might look into that or maybe someone that already knows like i want to go into graphic design or any advice that you would give them or any heads up or like warnings or anything you would give them um it's i think it's practice Mm. Um, a lot of people at practice and you have to be open to constructive criticism. I think a lot of people, I love a lot of artists or, you know, the reason why it's, they call it the tortured artist is because everything is very personal to you and all of the work that you put out tends to be very personal. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that graphic design is not just art. Graphic design is meant to be marketed. Mm-hmm. You know, graphic design is not meant to be that personal mm. and so i think that people tend to forget that and it's like well i like it this way it's like well, that's great but your client needs to like it yeah and so you need to be open to understanding that you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder and so you need to be open to people giving you their input they might not always be right but you might get you know somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about and they'll help you grow and they'll help you understand things from a different perspective. Um, and you just have to keep practicing. Like we're, we tend to be really hard on ourselves because we know what quality work looks like. Mm -hmm. It's the reason why we like it. But technically we might like from a technical perspective we might not be there like i might not know the software from the back of my hand i know what it wanted to look like but i don't know how to get it to look like that Mm -hmm. and so it's one of those things to where you just have to kind of keep practicing you have to be opening open to constantly learn new methods new software just new ways to do everything and it's 
it's really a lifelong learning type of career. Mm. And you have to be okay with that. Nice. Yeah. And what would you want and for you know your current and future generation of graphic designers, especially for women? What do you want for them to learn and have in the future? It's hard to like say specifically how it would happen, but I'd like to see more women on top. Mm. Um, it's still very much a male dominated field mm -hmm. i think anything really in technology tends to be that way mm. um but some of the most creative people that i've met have been women just a coincidence maybe i don't know but <laughs> why don't they have a bigger platform why do we have to make our own space in order to be heard and it's fine let's keep making our own spaces but i really hope that the big stages that have already been established open up the door yeah. for these people to come in. Um, I think there's a lot of this legacy kind of thing that's in graphic design. It's like these people that have been in the business for years and years and years and years, and, years, and mm. these are the people that everybody talks about. But I feel like sometimes there's not enough highlight on the up and coming, a lot of, um, and you know, especially in the women. So I think that that's kind of what I would like to see, especially now with like social media and you can build your own website. I think there's just so many ways to put your work out there that I really wish people would pay attention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how we're gonna do that, <laughs> but you know, just but this that, is what yeah. I want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, like, yeah how we get there, I'm not sure. That is that is a wish. Yeah, like you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, if if it was an easy solution, I think we would have already been there. But you, you're right. You're right. But it's uh, hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what would you, what advice would you give to yourself? Like if you can go back in time and talk to a little Elvira or like, or I don't know, is that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know I, I get used to what you're saying. I think just that everything comes at its time. Mm. Um, I, and again, because it goes back to this whole like graphic design is all about like, you know, you have to have skill absolutely but that skill is not going to get better until you keep practicing and practicing and practicing and so i think that a lot of my frustrations came that the goals that i had and i think because mm -hmm. i had such specific goals from such an early age which i know is not usually commonplace um because i was so like this is what i want to do i was getting really frustrated that i was getting a hard time getting there and so i think looking back now it's just that like you're gonna get there might not happen tomorrow, but that's okay. Yeah. And I think that at some point I figured it out during like interview number 53, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> um, that I realized that a lot of the big opportunities happened when a door closed. Mm. When I hit a wall, when something bad happened uh, in my career that either I got laid off or you know something happened to where I was like, I'm hitting rock bottom, and then I would, so like, okay, well, I'm rock bottom, like, what are you gonna do about it? Mm -hmm. And then an amazing opportunity would open. And I think that all of the internships or the jobs that I've had that I've looked back on and I'm like, wow, like, those were such growing experiences and I met so many great people and I did so many great things. They were all following an event where I was like, 
it just i'm done like yeah. I, where do i go from here like i need to go back to school to get a more practical career like my parents told me from day one yeah and I don't know, maybe it was just getting to that point where I was like, okay, well, now I have to give it my all because this is all I have left. And then I got to the other side. But it's just, I'm not that patient. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's that's more my thing. It's like, you just you give yourself your time. Like, things will happen when they're supposed to happen. Mm. And they're going to happen at that time for a reason. And you're not going to know until you're on the other side. Yeah. So just... Just breathe, yeah. relax, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I can yeah. relate to that. <laughs> I think everyone Man. can relate to that. Yeah, like, why does it happen now? Damn it. And then you look back and you're like, oh, I'm glad it happened at that time. Like, yeah, because then you're like, if I wouldn't have done that, then I wouldn't have learned this, or I yes. wouldn't have met this person. It, oh, it just, yeah. That's just the way it always is. Exactly. Like, things happen for a reason. It, and that's cliche for a reason, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow, sorry, that hit me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that. And Elvira, tell us where people can find Emiluna, where they can find you, you know. So we are on emiluna.com, and then we are on Instagram under Emiluna, also Pinterest. Oh, And Facebook. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know me. Yeah. I, I'm always like, it's, it's a lot of where we get our inspiration from, mm. a lot of the people that we look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we're on Pinterest and we're on Facebook. We have a private Facebook group for anybody who wants like insights about, you know, the inner working. Sometimes we have information on like, we, these are the fabrics that we have. What do you guys want to see? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I, I don't even know if I had mentioned this. So a lot of the pieces that we have, they're all one of a kind. Most of them are one of a kind. Um, and nice. all of our handbags are repurposed from Vintage Weepil, which is the blouses that the Mayan women wear. Oh, okay. So it, it's upcycled and turned into a bag, into a wristlet, into a coin purse. Um, so all of these fabrics are, again, one of a kind. They're unique pieces. They tell a story of the person who made them. So sometimes we get these in, and if you see one that speaks to you, mm-hmm. you're like, I want that one, mm. and I, this is the bag that I want. And so we do a lot of that stuff on our private Facebook group. So if oh. you want to take a look at that, um, and you can join us on there, uh, if you look up Emmy Luna, it should come up. So mm-hmm. yeah, so you can find us on emmyluna.com, and we'll be having a promotion specifically for your listeners so if you type in ellis po- uh, yes podcast sorry it's okay oh my god i can't believe i just did that laugh <laughs> myself uh yes podcast uh uh during checkout you'll get 20 percent off your order Ooh, so much that's awesome yes a little bit more about so like if you guys don't know it is jewelry and handbags and accessories all comes from Nayarit Mexico and Guatemala and Guat- oh the handbags okay sorry yeah, yeah. the handbags <laughs> are from Guatemala the jewelry is not from Mexico from Nayarit, or, Nayarit. yeah okay and then they work directly yeah like how she said directly with the artisans collaborate with the design and production of the products um and the products mm-hmm. are Huichol. Uh, yeah. Yes, every all the beaded jewelry is from Huichol or the. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna hate myself because I'm probably gonna sabotage this. Huichcarisca tribe, which mm-hmm. is commonly known as the Huichol or the Coras, uh, and they're natively in Nayarit and part of Jalisco, which is right next to each other. Um, and then the handbags and like those small accessories, those are uh, Mayan mm-hmm. made. Yeah. So. You guys definitely go check out that um, everything of theirs, either Pinterest, Instagram, or I've checked out their website and I'm like, wow, I'm going to grab like 
15 bags because it's really <laughs> cute. Oh my gosh, all this stuff is really great. Our, our more most popular item is a convertible. Yes. The convertible uh, <laughs> Sorry, handbag, backpack. Uh, it's, okay, so I take this bag to Disneyland every time, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we take my niece because she needs her water bottle and she needs her extra change of clothes and she needs her diapers and she needs all this stuff. <laughs> every time we wear it, somebody always taps her shoulder. Where, Where did you get, you get that bag? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's our most popular, especially for, like, moms, because mm-hmm. a lot of them use it as diaper bags. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how that started, but that's yeah. just the way it is. It's so big. It's so, like, convertible. It's so much, like, it's so useful. And it's super cute. Like, you can Thank put it with you. any, <laughs> any <laughs> outfit, honestly. That could be your statement piece, honestly, too. Yeah. No, and, and it, that's what it is for me. Yeah. So, Nice. Oh, thank you so much, Elvira. This really was a really inspiring conversation. And I think with every episode and like you have having you here, it's like amazing. And we would love you to have back, you know, have you back. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you guys for having me. It's been really nice. I really love what you guys are doing. So I'm excited to be here. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you so much. So thank you for listening to another episode of AYES. Join us again for another episode in two weeks. Follow us on Instagram or AS the podcast. That is E double L A S the podcast. Want to be on the show or have a question for our future guest? Drop us an, an, an email at AS the podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, we are your hosts, Brenda DeShazer. And I'm Brenda Hernandez. AS is co hosted by Brenda DeShazer and me. Brenda Hernandez. Thanks to our editor and producer, D.F. DeShazer II. And thank you to Shro, who created our theme song. This is a yes. <laughs>